Good morning. I have a question this morning. Where is your confidence? Where is it placed? Is it placed in some of those things you can do well? I mean, those are great things that you have, great gifts, great abilities that you have. But where is your real confidence? Where does it really lie? Where, where's your treasure? Is it in the strength of our hand or is it in another place? Of course, if we went around and asked people here where our confidence was, you would say, well, I, I mean, the right, you know, looking for the right answer. Ah, uh, it's, in, it's in Christ. That's where my confidence is. My treasure's in heaven, knowing the things to say. But do we really, do we really know that? Do we really believe that? Or do we rely more on what I can actually get done in the physical? Do you see what I'm saying there? There is a spiritual dynamic to this that God is trying to bring us into as individuals and as a corporate body. What if for a day we could live in the confidence that we are truly heirs of God, of the King of kings and Lord of lords? What if for one day, one whole day, you could live fully understanding you knew, you knew my confidence is all in heaven, my confidence is all in Christ. Man, what could we get done? <laughs> well, the only thing that's different between that happening and it not happening now is what's going on in me. See, the Bible says that that is already the case. You are seated in heavenly places. You are already being put there. You're already living in that spot. It's well, I don't really believe it. I rely so much on the strength of my hand to take me somewhere that I can't even see the treasure that's been laid up for me in heaven. And so this morning, what I'm feeling is, I know this is a heavy thing right to start off the day with, but <laughs> what I'm feeling is, is what if we were to let go of the strength of the flesh just for a little while? Even this morning. Even like set apart like 15 minutes for yourself right now to say, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going to worship for the next 15 minutes like all of my confidence comes from heaven. Like I'm already seated there with him. Like I'm already experiencing the thousands and thousands of angels and the, the elders and the saints worshiping. What if I could do that for 15 minutes? see where it takes us. Any time, any encounter I've ever had with, with God has been because I've let go of the confidence in my own hand and grabbed hold of the truth of heaven. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit. God, I just say this morning that I, I thank you firstly for these amazing strengths that you've placed in me and then in the people here. But like Paul when he said, like, I could have confidence in the flesh, but because of Christ, I counted all as loss. 
I just say this morning that I offer all that up to you and say you can take that all away because me having confidence in your strength, in your truth, in your word is way more valuable, can get way more done than anything I could ever dream to accomplish with my own hands. And this morning I want to thank you for that ability to see the difference between the two for one and also to be able to come to this place where we can worship you freely and lay all of our confidence and all of our treasure and all of our strength in you and just grab hold of what you have for us this morning. So Lord, I pray for each person here that we would be able for this next time frame that we have allotted for us the ability to see heaven, the ability to grab hold of heaven, the ability to touch something real, more real than anything we've ever touched before. Fountains of revelation, fountains of life, fountains of, of, of life-changing atmosphere that we could just walk into as if we're walking into our friend's house. God, I'm asking for an outpouring of that revelation of the entry, the great entry into your kingdom this morning. I ask for an increased capacity in the people, in all of us, that we would be able to have a larger capacity to withstand and keep going further into this kingdom. A greater and greater and greater capacity is coming. God, we grab hold of that now. Let your life flow. We worship you in spirit and in truth. We say that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is none like you, and I worship you with my heart, with my soul, with my strength. My heart and my flesh cry out for you. We all recognize that you are set above and everything good flows from your hand. Lord, we worship you this morning. I wonder if we could sing that whole song because it's a reflection of the desire of God to have a habitation on the earth. And he has set his course. He will not return until the habitation is ready. We are that habitation. We are called to purify ourselves. We are called to come into a kind of faith and obedience to him. We are called to subdue his enemies. We are called to be the vehicle for him to reveal his magnificence to the nations, to principalities and powers. He is waiting for a church to rise up. And so our desire is, Lord, heaven is their throne and earth is your footstool. Where is the house that we can build except, Lord, a house made without hands? Except a dwelling place that's born of spiritual things. Lord, release your building anointing.
Release, Lord, the beings of heaven that come and measure the earth and stretch out a line and establish a dwelling place. We say, Lord, let it happen here in our hearts. Let me, let me try and tell you what the freedom that God is bringing us into is not the freedom to just do anything I feel like doing. It's the freedom from having to guard or protect or build my own righteousness. At the very beginning, most of you weren't here when we started worshiping. Jesse got up and talked about what is the point of your confidence? What is the thing that makes you feel bold or not bold, that gives you the right? You know, have you ever gone somewhere where you didn't, weren't sure if you belonged or you were allowed to go, but you were going on the basis of a, of a questionable authority? There's an insecurity in that. You can't go in with boldness. You can't go in with freedom because you're not sure if you deserve to be there. And that's what happens when you operate on your own righteousness. Is, is there is always information coming to you that your righteousness is not great. But if you're operating on your righteousness, there's always an insecurity. Because you're not sure if you can make the cut. And, and so anytime a scenario comes up that actually shines poorly on your righteousness, you're intimidated. You feel less. You feel disqualified. That tells you where your confidence is. And I had this picture of, I, I got this white Kleenex up here. You know, the thing about this white Kleenex is it's, you can discard it. It's not really important. And so if it gets dirty, it's okay. You know, I, you know if, if we're in your house and, and all say, oh, no, I got your Kleenex dirty. So that's all right. We're, that's going in the garbage. And that's the confidence that comes when you realize your righteousness is discardable. Your righteousness is, is meaningless. That God is substituting your righteousness for Christ's righteousness. But in your heart, there's a shift that has to take place. And it's not a pretend shift. It's a real shift. And that is what's happening in your life. That's what stands between you and actually having boldness to enter into the holy place is whether your confidence is your righteousness or the righteousness that comes from Jesus. But it's a hard issue. It's not a theology. And so what happens is there are voices that come and point at the fact that your righteousness is not what it ought to be. Now we still have a calling to be holy, to walk perfectly before the Lord. But if somebody comes and says, hey, you know, you shouldn't be doing that, and all of a sudden you get completely deflated if you get complete if you feel guilty and shamed and everything and you can't deal with that honestly that shows us that you're actually using your righteousness for confidence and i have just put up you know i just popped the balloon of your confidence well your confidence never should have been there there's no freedom in that that that's why you go up and down up and down up and down that's why you can't look in the mirror 
Because your confidence is your own righteousness. Listen, your own righteousness is worth nothing. Get used to it. You are dirty. You are walking in a world that's dirty. You can't go out the door here without getting your shoes dirty. You expect that. Spiritually, the same thing's happening. And God is training you to walk above the earth. But you can't keep denying that you're getting dirty, that you're, that you're unclean. No, there is a provision for that. That's what the righteousness of God is. Freedom. Confidence is found in the assurance that He is my righteousness. So, Lord, we want to say, do this work in our hearts. God, we want to be free from our own egos. We want to be free from our own confidence. We want to be free from our own righteousness. We want to be transformed. Set us free. Set us free. And there's people in this room today, and you're sitting there thinking, well, I've been trying to do this. I, I've been trying to do that. I don't know. How, how do you do that? How does that happen? How does that happen? It happens by revelation. It happens. There's a point where you begin to break through. Well, when do I get there? I don't know for you. I know when it began to happen for me. I remember the very day I began to come into a full knowledge of God's grace. And it wasn't ignoring what was wrong with me. It was coming face to face with, with what was wrong with me, but realizing it did not matter. It was a breakthrough. It was a life-changing breakthrough. And God has appointed that breakthrough for you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, give us the perseverance to enter into this freedom by the new and living way. Father, we want to say to you today, Lord, give us the gospel that breaks through for people. Give us the gospel that convinces us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Lord, give us the gospel oh, that gives us the courage to not run from the mountain of God where the voice of God speaks where the trumpet of the Lord sounds and the voice causes the mountain to shake, and where Israel backed off and said, don't speak again. Lord, we want to say, speak, speak, and let everything inside of us that is unstable, let it be shaken. Oh, let it be removed. Let it be removed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I feel like there are, we are on the cusp of discovering what we thought we always knew, which is the power, the real power, the converting power of the gospel of Christ. There's something, a tension in our lives that, is in our being, at the core of our being. It causes us to center on our righteousness. And though Jesus made himself of no reputation, there's something in us that always guards our sense of who we are, our reputation, how others see us, how we think about ourselves. Within the core of our being, there is 
this fixation on this source of life, this source of strength, this source of identity that is warped. And the gospel changes the foundation from which you operate. Christianity is not just a philosophy about the knowledge of a God who came and had this idea and that idea and sent his son. It, it is, if it doesn't produce in you that shift of identity, then you don't really know the message. It's a shift of identity. You can talk about, oh, yeah, but, you know, I, I don't want to feel guilty because I'm, I'm under grace. Well, then you don't understand grace. Grace is power. Grace is power to cause you to live over, above the earth, above the sin that used to beset you. It's not an excuse. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card after you sin so that you can, you know, still feel clean. It will do that, but it, it is meant to do far more than that. It's meant to change your nature. It's meant to change what you love. That's why in the Old Testament it talks about the, the law written on your hearts. When the law is written on your hearts, it changes what you desire. It changes what you're drawn towards. It, it changes the source of what excites you. And in dramatic fashion, the Old Testament talked about those who... who whose pleasure is in bloodshed and who run to shed blood and et cetera, et cetera, and all the things they do. Why? Because they love it. They get a thrill from it. They get an excitement from it. And God, the gospel of Christ, changes the source of your excitement. And it changes it to Him. It, how are, where are we in this journey then? Oh, do we have to pray? Do we have to worship? How long is this church thing going to go on for? If it is not our pleasure to be in his presence, if his words are not like gold, then we're not as far along in the journey as we need to be. This should not be a lot of effort. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, there's a way to do this that's easy. And if it's hard for you, then you're doing it wrong. Hello? You're, you still haven't shifted into the identity of a son of God. Well, how do we do that? It's not about doing. It's about transformation. It's about revelation. That's why the old reformers, when they would preach, they would have weeks of tent meetings and revival meetings where they would preach about the righteousness of God and the unrighteousness of human flesh. And, and this, this holy anointing would come into the room and it would feel crushing. And people would, would feel like, ah, I'm going to be crushed by God until something, uh, but they weren't crushed by God. They were shifted into a kingdom. They were shifted into a kingdom. That's what it means to be born again. Born again. My nature is now participating in another world. I am drawing everything I have from another world. The evidence that that is actually happening is the victory and the freedom that I'm walking in. The evidence that it's not happening is the other. But it happens in layers. It happens in degrees. And that's where the test of our confidence along the way is so important because the degree that you're operating in the one is based on your confidence in it, 
the degree that you're operating in the others based on your confidence in it. That's why Paul said, though it seems in the flesh I would have reason to boast. And he, he raised up all his Jewish accolades, what he was, circumcised the eighth day, raised as a Pharisee, trained in, in the law, perfect in righteousness as pertaining to the law. He said, but yet I consider that as nothing, my own righteousness as nothing. There is nothing the flesh of man can do to please God. There is no amount of doing the right things that actually can compensate for a lack of faith, a lack of experience in the grace of God. There is, there is nothing that human flesh can produce, no matter how good it looks, that can satisfy God. And the, and the heart of man says, well, then we are without hope. That Yes, that's the point. You, in and of yourself, are without hope. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you don't understand, I'm a pretty decent guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a principled person. I try and treat my, you know, other people fairly. I try to do what is right. And, you know, I try to do the right things. Well, let me ask you, how do you feel when you do the wrong thing? How hard is it to face the music when you're not? You see, many people, and there are many people out there that are probably better Christians than you in terms of being good people. Do you know why they're better? Because they need to be. They need to be. When you've got insecurity in your life, then you try doubly hard to make up for it. When you need to be more righteous than others, to, you're actually doing that to fill a void. I remember years ago, we had some problems with a neighbor. And it was a great test for us, trying to love our neighbor. But he hated us because we were renters, first of all. He hated us because we had small kids that, you know, made too much noise in his peaceful world, jumping on the trampoline and throwing balls over the fence. And God forbid he had to throw them back. And I, uh, I got into a discussion with him one day. I was saying, listen, you know, we're like two blocks from an elementary school. You're living in the city with, you know, just a few feet between houses. You've got to expect that you're going to rub shoulders with people, families. I said, you know, it's not always convenient. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, I mean... I don't like the fact that when I go to the back of my yard, your dog starts barking at me like crazy, you know. That's, but that's, that's just the nature of, of, of living in community. You have to do that. And, uh, man, he, that, he quieted down right away because he had no retort for that, man. My kids inconvenience him. His dog inconveniences me. Huh? I had him over a barrel until the next week he had the dog put down. Seriously, you're not going to get one over me. I got to do whatever I can to justify my judgment. 
I got to do whatever I can to make myself, I'm a better citizen, I'm a better person than you. This inner drive inside of man that makes him, sometimes the very best people are the worst people because their drivenness comes from the fact that they need to be superior. In order to sustain their scorn for everybody else. Is that righteousness or something else? That is the evil, the despicable nature of fallen man who tries to be good without God, whose boasting says, I don't need you, God. I don't need your righteousness. I don't need your, your Jesus and your blood. I'm a good person. And the gospel says, no, you're not. There's none good. That when we were born into sin, when we were born into this world, when we were born into the world that was left because of Adam and Eve and their sin and everyone after them, we were born with a nature that was fixated on me. And there's no getting out of it. It's like trying to lift yourself up with your own hands. Try it. Try and lift yourself up. You can no more lift yourself up than you can get yourself righteous. But how deep does that go? How deep does that self-reliance go? And I wasn't even meaning to talk about this, but, but I remember as a, as, as a young kid, I, when I got saved, it was because God revealed to me that I was no better than anybody else, that I was really a sinner. And that's not just a word. That was, but I didn't have any definition. These are the, what does that mean, a sinner? Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, we're all we're all we all need Jesus. But no, no, no. You are a bad person. Well, yeah, I'm I do some bad things sometimes, but deep down, no, deep down it's worse, Mark. Are you guys ready to realize that? I mean, this is the gospel. Deep down, it's not better, it's worse. If I go to your house, is the is the is the cleanest room in the house the one I see or the one that's hidden? The one you close the doors to or the one you invite me in to eat? You understand? And I'm, I'm not saying, you know, hey, you need to be a better housekeeper. The point is we hide what's wrong with us and we bring out the best. That is the inclination of the natural man. So what we see of you is the very best of you, not the worst of you. When you begin to strip off the layers, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And God says, listen, I have a fix for that. Transformation. I can move you into another foundation for righteousness, which is my son, Jesus Christ. And that's why the psalm says, kiss the son, lest he be angry. Kiss him. Apprehend him. Pull him in. Receive what he has for you. Father, I pray today the beginning of the gospel, the unveiling of the gospel that's able to convert, to shift the seed of righteousness in our beings, in our, in our, at the core of who we are, Father, we want to participate in grace. 
Some of us, even today, are sitting here, this is so hard. I'm restraining all of the real passions of my life, and I want freedom. God is saying, listen, change the foundation. Realize that that confidence that you use is a discardable wasteland. Can you say amen? You see, we have this thing going on all the time in our culture where people are building up this identity of what it means to be a good person. It's based on human philosophy. It's deeply flawed, and it's based on a lie. It's based on a lie that you can be good. You can't be good. And what happens is, is there's, there's, God is pushing you to a place where he wants you to look in the mirror and see who you really are because that's the first step to transformation. You've got to be willing to see who you are. So how is God doing that? Well, he does it sometimes through the pastor. Most times, though, he's doing it through life. He's doing it through life. He's doing it through the casual encounters you have when you're driving down the highway or turning a, or, or, or at your job, you meet this person who's impossible. And something inside of you rises up and you'd like to extinguish their life. Though, and, and this is what Jesus is, and this is what the gospel said. Listen, the place where that's coming from that desire to is inside of you. That's the message he was bringing. And you know the people who hated that message the most? The ones who are so good at creating the facade. The best ones, the most intelligent, the most emotionally stable, the wealthiest. These are the ones that had more... Well, they were more centered, you know, in a natural kind of way. They were educated. They were intelligent. They were emotionally stable. They probably hadn't been raised around, you know, debauchery and alcoholism and, and flailing, unbridled emotions of rage. And so they were emotionally not as broken as other people. Well, the broken people couldn't help who they really were coming, coming through. They just couldn't help it. They didn't have the ability to restrain that. And so they were more aware of who they were. So when Jesus came and preached repentance to them, it was like, you mean I can escape me? You mean I can, there's a way out of this? I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I can't stop this sin nature coming forward. And the Pharisees, who had successfully reigned in their evil nature and politically astutely said the right things when they didn't mean it. Put on the right face and acted the right way because their whole motivation was, was public endorsement. Image was everything. So they were able to, they had a great power base to draw from to perpetuate this image of who they were. Jesus came and with an anointing from God had the ability to poke their balloons, pop their balloons again and again. He just... Yeah, what is it about this guy? They thought, what is it about? I, we've faced so many others, and, and we can still, you know, 
We still feel righteous, but this guy, he gets my goat. Because he is light. And he's bringing light. And light always exposes the truth of who you are. And so God is giving us mercy today. He's saying, listen, I'm going to come at you again. I'm going to come at you again. And whether you're saved or you're not saved, God is saying, listen, I'm going to come at you again and again and again and again with the truth until you can honestly fully deal with the root of who you are outside of me. But... Man, just when I start to feel righteous, you make me feel guilty again. I don't make you feel guilty. I show you, and this is the Holy Spirit, not me. The Holy Spirit is showing you the source of your confidence. Hello? That's not making you feel guilty. And I, I, I feel the confusion around that because there, there are minds that just like, what, what? What did you even say? What does it mean? Father, fashion this sword. Let it pierce more deeply into us. Let me tell you, you're, you're a student and you're trying to, you got a project coming up and you're, you're anxious about the project. You're fearful about doing wrong, but somehow you can't bring yourself to do the work and your roommate every day, the studious one, the one who's diligent, the one who's faithful, and the one who works way harder. They're saying, you know, have you prepared for the test yet or have you worked on your project? And your project's coming and due in five days and every time, every time they say, have you worked on your project? This sense of anxiety and fear comes over you and this dread that you're, you're going to fail, you're going to do it wrong, it's not done. And so you get mad at him for reminding you that it's coming. That's what we do when we say somebody else makes me feel guilty. Because what they're doing is they're saying, listen, you are deriving your righteousness from your own performance. And every time it becomes clear that your performance is wrong, you want to run like the Israelites from the mountain of God, resisting the voice of the Lord. It says, no, why? Oh, I always feel guilty. Why am I always feeling shame? Because the fallen nature of man is the source of guilt. Guilt is not a concept that's created to, to motivate you or manipulate you into righteousness. Guilt, well, it's like the smell of something rotten. There's the rotten thing, and then there's the smell. There's the guilt, and there's the fallen nature. Freedom is found in the transformation where he truly becomes my righteousness. Jesus Christ has been made unto us righteousness and wisdom. Jesus Christ has created the new and living way. He shed his blood not only to forgive and cover your sin, but to release something that can change your nature. Well, how long does this take? Well, how far do you want to go? How much of the nature of God do you want? Because it's faith to faith that we're moving.
just this last week, and we all get this, these moments, and God is training us to love people. Some people are easier to love than others. Where is the line for you where you can't love anymore? Where that person, well, you know, I'm, I like most of the people in the church, but there's that one person. Somebody said one. It's like <laughs> there's that 50. I've realized in my life, and I am incomplete in love, is that there is, I can only love so far. Jesus loved to the point where they were nailing him to the cross. Yeah, but that was Jesus. Exactly. The nature of the one that we are being transformed into. He's on the cross and they're nailing him and he says, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't think about the injustice of this. He didn't think about the fact that, man, of all the people these people should be honoring, these hypocrites, man, they're going to get theirs. Just wait till my dad comes home. He was moved with, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Is that your response when somebody takes advantage of you? Is that your response when somebody curses you? Is that your response when somebody parks in your space? Well, yeah, but we're not perfect. I, again, what I'm talking about is do you want to root out that thing? There's a place inside of you where that, that thing comes from. This is what Jesus was saying to them when the Pharisees were saying, Hey, your disciples are walking through the fields. They're eating food with unwashed hands. And Jesus like, man, you, you don't even understand that those rules are a shadow of something else. What I'm, I'm trying to talk, I'm trying to teach you, I was trying to prepare you that there is righteousness and there is unrighteousness. There is cleansed and there is uncleansed. He says, but whatsoever defiles a man is what comes out of him, not what goes inside of him. So... Are we dealing with every day, Lord, that thing inside of me? Every time that guy does that, I'm going to start blessing him. I'm going to start forgiving him. I'm going to start doing that. Then he gets to the place where it doesn't bother you, and God says, okay, you're ready for the next level of evil to come into your life because I need you to be able to forgive that. But he's, he's, it's more than being able to forgive you. What he's doing is he's training us. He's training us in a way that's impossible. And I'm going to try and illustrate this quickly, but a friend of mine was just sharing here recently how he was talking with someone, and suddenly this rage, this anger, this deep resentment came up towards him from this person. He was surprised, and so he began to try to, you know, they had actually gone forward in their relationship. Things were looked like they were getting better. Suddenly, he hit this pocket of pain, like a like a you know a, a, an infectious cyst, and it just pops open and pus starts running everywhere. Rage, anger, accusation—it's an evil thing. It's an ugly thing. And he was he was like taken back by it. And 
You know how you're affected by somebody else's rage? Have you ever had that? And you kind of immediately jump in with the same spirit? So he's trying everything he can to not be affected by this. But as he's talking, he starts to become defensive. And he starts to, and all of a sudden he realized, I need to stop talking. I need to stop doing this because I'm making it worse by defending myself. I'm actually, I don't have the heart capacity to absorb his wound. And when he said that, I thought, that's it. That's it. God is trying to build something inside of us so that we can absorb the wounding of others. Jesus is on the cross, and his arms are spread. He's being crucified, and he's bleeding, and he's dying. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's absorbing the wound of the whole world. I have been in that place so many times. I've been on both sides. I've been on sides where people are coming at me, and I, I know it's not about me. It's about their wound, and I, and I can get my, I can absorb it. And then I've been other times where, and I'm thinking, I don't even know why you're coming at me. I don't even want to know why you're talking to me. But the reality was, and I'm trying to defend myself. I'm trying to figure out what is the issue here, but it doesn't really matter what the issue is. The issue is there's a wound, and I do not have the capacity to absorb it. I don't have the capacity to overwhelm it with love. Why? Because of that thing deep inside of me that I haven't yet fully come into that we're coming into gradually, but we haven't come into. There is a generation of the church that's going to come into this like no other generation. And years ago, Kevin Prosh wrote a song called King of Saints, and this song always comes back to me when I think about this. He said, Who ever heard of an army, O Lord, that conquered the earth by weeping and mourning and brokenness? A people who see the deplorable state, the, the empty-headed, the narcissistic rage and the compulsion to attack and kill and destroy. And they say, these people are victimized by a spirit, but we can heal their wound. And when we heal their wound, that spirit will not be able to manifest through them anymore. And the question becomes, what kind of wound can I absorb? What kind of injustice? What kind of uh, uh, person can I pull into my life and continue to love them without expectation? Clearly, we're not there yet. But the promise that gives me hope is not the fact that, wow, you're still not there. It's that there is going to be a people that are there. There's going to be a generation of the church that operates in the magnitude of love that Jesus operated in and are going to bring to the world what will heal it. Wow. Wow. But the test goes on. 
And what you have to do is humble yourself again and again and again. Man, I, I thought I was past that. I thought I was past that. Let me just refer to that for a second. What is that? I thought I was past that. You begin to build up an image of yourself that is not completely real. Right? It's like the guy scores one goal and thinks he's Wayne Gretzky. See the way I did that move? And yeah, but what about the rest of the game? You only did it. I used to do that as a kid all the time. I, I'd, I'd have one good play and I'd think about that, and the whole rest of the game was like erased in my memory. I'd only remember the one good thing that I did. That's how you prop up lagging self worth. Hello? I'm a good worker. What are you talking about? Well, here's a videotape of the week of work. You did. You had three good moments. That's great. But there were a hundred others you missed. Oh. Why do we have to create these illusions that we're further along than we... Again, it comes down to where is your confidence? If your confidence is in Jesus... We could replay your life, your thought life, your responses, your spoken, your invisible responses to people, and you will not be shocked, you will not be discouraged, you will not feel guilt or shame for anything because that's your righteousness and we're discarding that anyway. That's not the one that counts unless you believe it's the one that counts in your heart. You see the faith. What do you really believe? As a man believes in his heart, so is he. And so God is saying, listen, do you have faith? Do you believe in me? Am I the root and source of your hope? And you should never feel bad when I lift up a mirror in front of you. Because, ah, yeah, that's that's just temporary. That's just temporary. That's just, that doesn't matter. We're dealing with that. God's dealing with that. That's not even me. My righteousness, yeah, I know my righteousness, worth nothing. But we don't know. So we're touchy, we're insecure, we're guarded, we're idolatrous concerning our view of ourselves. But there's freedom. And the beauty of freedom is it makes you a person of influence wherever you go. When you don't have to guard an image of who you are, you can be comfortable in any setting. In any setting. Around anybody. Around kings. Around poor people. Around sinners. Around saints. Around hypocrites around anybody, because you're, you're free. So, Father, we say today, bring us into freedom. Transform us, Lord. We want to we make you. We want to exalt you. We want to glorify you. We want to lift you up. We want to say, you are our righteousness. And, Lord, we are tired of renovating a dilapidated building of structure of our own making that's collapsing 
inevitably coming to an end, impossibly written off because there's no hope for it. God, we are done. We are done protecting that thing. Transform us, Lord, to your image. We pray in Jesus' name. Now, where do we go from here? Now, here's the beauty of the word. Draw in that word. Pull that in. Guard that word. Begin to say, God, I, I want the freedom that comes from not thinking about myself and being touchy and all the rest of that. I want, I want that. I want this. I want to just start leaning into it, as Michael loves to say. I love that term because you don't get it all at once. He's, but you, you demonstrate that, oh, God, I really want this. You start to lean towards it. And, uh, and God's going to do it. Let the Word do its perfect work. Now, if you didn't realize it, that was an evangelistic message. That was, that was a gospel preach. You know, uh, and the gospel is going deeper in our hearts, and so we probably need more of that. Can you say amen? I just want to read out of Romans 12, and, uh, you know, I'd encourage everybody. I've been stuck on this probably for about four or five months, but read Romans 12. Uh, it's got a lot in it, but I just want to read this one component. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect he really is. As God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Father, would you begin to help us to stand in that mirror and be honest with where we're at? Father, it's one of the hardest things for us to do. It's so easy to look at everybody else and focus on them because then we don't have to focus on ourselves. But, Father, we truly want to draw closer to you. And in order to do this, we need you to refine us. We need you to transform our minds and our way of thinking. And so, Father, today we honor this word that's been brought before us. And, God, we choose to challenge ourselves. God, we choose not to be slaves anymore to sin, slaves to these other things that so easily draw us in. But, Father, today we choose to be slaves to righteousness, which means we choose to look in that mirror. We choose to allow you to transform us and to point out those very things within us that we need to lay down at your cross. And so, Father, today I pray that you would help us with that. Amen.